Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of The Podcast Strikes Back. My name is George and you're listening to our review of Edgar Wright's new film, Baby Driver. Yes! <laughs> and we're here with the boys, Connors. Hello. Benny's. Hey. Dudes. Dude. It's here. Yep. Yeah. Um, it's been a long time since his last film. Uh, Ant-Man got canned. Baby Driver's here. What were you guys expecting going in? And uh, overall impressions? Um, I went in with uh, a bit of trepidation because this movie has been hyped from day one as the best thing since sliced bread. Um, and I always worry about going into these kind of films because I think, is there any way they can live up to this you know, heightened expectation? The other thing that I was a bit worried about was the they were um, really hyping up on the music. They were yeah, saying, there was a lot of press about that. A lot of press saying, you know, this is, you know, the one quote that, that stuck with me was um, Edgar Wright uses, uh, I think it was music the same way that we use air. Mm. Um, and it, it's such a big claim. And I, I went into it expecting the kind of the marketer's uh, demise, which is, you know, oversell and underdeliver. Um, but yeah, they, they, they did not underdeliver at all. This film came up to and exceeded every expectation I had about it. Believe the hype. Believe, like, I mean, I don't normally say it, but fucking believe the hype on this one. It believe. Is amazing. Yeah, anyone who listened to our um, 50, 50th episode, the best best film of the year, Yep. Um, apparently I made some pretty bold claims. In <laughs> <laughs> we had a lot of beer that episode. Absolutely. I don't and, think uh, you made bold claims, but you just made fraudulent claims. Uh, no, I didn't. You hadn't seen it. We never said we had to say it. <laughs> Not this again. Well, I remember. You know, anyways, I remember anyways, anyways. No. <laughs> Five favorite films. Nowhere to say I haven't seen it. Um, so yeah, I listed Baby Driver as my number one favorite film of the year. Just a prediction. Just a bit of fun. You know, wasn't trying to. We didn't sign any contracts. <laughs> wasn't trying to hurt any feelings. Um, and has that remained after seeing the film? Yeah, absolutely. Honestly, the only competition that it may have was. Uh, the the wild card Spider Man, which I didn't really see yeah. coming in there, but um, yeah, I, my top five wasn't a list I was hugely passionate about anyway, so I was pretty confident to throw that in there. Um, so I, I love Edgar Wright, and I was really looking forward to this. And uh, yeah, what what just an amazingly put together film yeah. this is. I come from a bit of a music background, oh, really? and um, you have any film that says music is a big part of the film, I am cautious. Um, there's films like Whiplash, where I I just it just got it. Mm. And um, these kind of, when they sandwiching in songs and doing this whole Guardians of the Galaxy thing that everyone seems to be doing with retro tracks. Um, I was, I was worried. And to com- compound that, I'm a big Edgar Wright fan. And I thought the world's end was crap um, compared to the rest <laughs> of his stuff in, re- in, in relative to his other stuff. It's really, it's a step down mm. compared to Scott Pilgrim, the hot fuzz and the world and um, Shaun of the dead. Pfft. Anyway, um, I'm happy to say this is one of my favorites this year. Maybe even my favorite. Um, wow. It is just absolutely brilliant. This this movie uses music like the rest of us <laughs> use air. <laughs> yeah. and look, I, I, I will qualify. Um, I, when I say it succeeded, I'm not saying that they had a cool soundtrack, which they did, but that was what I was worried about. 
I was worried that when they said that, it was just going to be another way of saying they've got a cool soundtrack. Yeah. It's not. I think The way think that they right. used that soundtrack in the actual film, this is, it was almost meta or almost like fourth wall breaking. It's a character. It's a character. This is a musical, yeah. essentially. The, the music informs the action more than the other way around. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And all the tracks they chose were fantastic. Mm. Um, lots of cool hip hop, lots of old, um, older seventies, eighties classics. Um, Sick classic rock in there. Yeah, yeah. Look, it. I mean, I part of me was really, really impressed with Edgar Wright, just in, on a technical scale, because having the action of that film informed by music like that is. I met like you just have to plan out every scene. You'd have to have that soundtrack ready and done beforehand. Like, I mean, and it, it created the same kind of effect that you get when you create music from scratch for film. So if you think about, you know, um, you know, the Lord of the Rings, when you, when you listen to the, that soundtrack and the way that it informs a scene and complements a scene, that's because they watched that shit and, and created that shit for that scene. Mm. When you're using film or when you're using um, songs that, you know, were created thirty years ago, forty years ago. I, it, it can quickly, it, it can quickly back yourself into a corner. I yeah. Feel. You, so I was so impressed with how he navigated that. It's rare. It's rare to see on display, just to really be cognizant of the fact that well, it would really take a special filmmaker to be able to just do this on a yeah. technical level. Like yeah. not every not every director out there could actually handle this kind of filmmaking, which is uh, rare to see. And I think Edgar Wright, um, I mean, everyone's kind of known, he's been known for his editing. Mm. I think that's a big, um, what would you call it, a hallmark mm. or a trait of his. Hallmark sounds good. Um, and I feel like this film kind of stepped back the editing a little bit. Um, like in those sort of rapid fire, Shaun mm, of the mm. Dead kind of style edits and um, just got to sit on a few things. But in saying that... Um, Moving on to like some other technical things, um, I think the car chases in this were phenomenal. Um, uh, you know, we all thoroughly enjoyed Fast and the Furious Eight, but I mean, there's bits where it's like this is so clearly green screen, mm. and Vin Diesel's just sitting in front of a CG car shell, yeah. and but also a completely different film that tried to achieve different yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. But I tell you what, <laughs> like, <laughs> I tell, when I'm just talking about shooting cars and yeah. without missiles and sentient cars and all this crap you love saying things aren't comparable connor what do you mean like you just can't compare that to that he's talking about car chases in two movies about cars i think you can compare that um <laughs> no okay i don't know like it, it, anyway let me just finish what i was gonna say um but um, I watched an interview with him and he said one of the things that we really strive to do during filming this film was make sure that the actors were in the car on the day mm. when they were shooting those scenes and mm. not row it retroactively edit this in on the back, you know, on the back lot on a green screen set or whatever. Yeah. And I think that was a big, big part of the success of this film and it dragged you in and I was invested. It's very noticeable. Mm. So like you, I couldn't pick a CGI shot in this film. The, and the car chase, like, as you said, the car chase scenes in this are spectacular. So well choreographed, yeah, and it, yeah, and it's so well shot that you come out of this movie thinking Ansel Elgort is a really good driver <laughs> because you can see him in there. Yeah, yep, yeah, and it's not, it's not like a boring car. Like, there's a lot of car chases out there that 
they go just a little bit too far. And and what comes to mind are things like, I guess, Born Identity. Yeah, yeah. The or, minis. Or some of the, some of the Born films. I don't um, think anyone's really pushed it since then. I mean, I think I think the Fast and Furious series has added more toppings on. Yeah. <laughs> but in terms of something very different, I think this is the first time where I've seen a car chase scene where I've been like, wow, I'm feeling something. I'm tense. I'm emotionally invested. And a car could probably actually do that. Which yeah. yeah. It's really interesting. <laughs> he does some really cool um, drifts mm. and reverse. Like there's one bit where he has to do um, a full on one, uh, like 180 um, to get onto another bit of the highway. And it's just a really awesome. He's, I don't, I'm not explaining this very well, but <laughs> it, just some very interesting way he drove the car that I really felt like he was an expert in that. Mm. I, I always wonder um, with a lot of car chase uh, films, they go for effect rather than practicality, which is it's it's a reasonable thing. But when you see someone for no apparent reason twisting around in a street and then reversing at you know eighty kilometers an hour f- for no good reason, it may look cool, but part of me gets gets a little bit drawn out of it, and um, I felt like this didn't do any of that yeah yeah it I agree. felt impressive but at the same time also very practical i think the only time that it it looked a bit uh and i, I still love the scene um uh, or a little bit fantastical was when he uh uh nixed the the police spikes and took out another uh another cop car with that and I, that's in the trailer um but uh that that was the only moment i was like what? I'll let that slide. Yeah. This is still, still very badass. <laughs> it was great. It's just so well staged. The car felt like an extension of uh, baby's own body. Yeah, like the way he moved it and everything. Yeah. So yeah, in, in say, saying it moved practically. I like totally that. agree yeah. with that. Yeah, but I mean, I, I think another big success of this film, other than the music and the cars, was the casting. Mm-hmm. I think these guys. I mean, let's just talk about Ansel Elgort. Um, I've never really been that into his stuff. I'm a fan. I'm a fan now. I mean, he's never disappointed me. I've never seen him in a film and been like, you're, you're what's letting this down. But what has he been in? The Hope... The, uh, the Fault in Our Stars. Fault in Our Stars. The Hope Carrie, in Our Hearts. The Hope in Our Fault. <laughs> Fault in Our Stars. Carrie. Um, Carrie. That's just about it. I've erased Carrie from my mind. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, The Fault in Our Stars... Uh, Fault in Our Stars was... I mean, his acting was really good in that. Yeah, but... He, it, he did a really good job. It's a... For me, it's one of those depressing, sappy stories that I just, I can't, I'm not into those kind of films. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I haven't seen it, so I'm, I might be oh. prematurely. <laughs> well, all right. Well, from, for what it is, he was really good in it. Yeah, cool. Um, both both the, the stars in that were really good. Yeah. Stars, get it. Mm. Um, but yeah, but he's never really been high on my radar as someone that I would have, like, it's certainly not someone I would have picked for this. Yeah. Um, I don't think a lot was asked of him for this role. Um, necessarily, but I feel like he delivered, like over-delivered, like just really gave it a lot uh, without maybe or too much on the page. Yeah. It's I can't fantastic. actually, he, he's he got a very strange face. He, his profile, 
is very <laughs> I can't actually picture his face. Like a lot of people like I can mentally go, yes. He's got a strange but alluring smile. It's probably like he's just and he's got these little fish lips. Like he's got really puffy lips, but it's like <laughs> really what have yeah. we come to you just describing his face? I don't know. He's just he's just an interesting looking dude he and he's an, he's tall and skinny and he's a different style of actor. He's, he's not too far off buddy Michael Sarah's Scott Pilgrim. Totally. You know? He's kind of another totally, weird little totally, Canadian totally. looking guy. <laughs> He just <laughs> weird Canadian look. Yeah, he does look Canadian, doesn't he? <laughs> Canadia. <Cool. laughs> um, yeah, look, I think I think he was really good in it. But uh, in terms of if I'm thinking about performances, I'm thinking Kevin Spacey. Kevin Spacey was amazing um, in this as just like his character. I don't want to go into spoilers or anything, but his character was. Uh, complex like uh, and I, I enjoy uh, seeing characters that are not just straight good guys or bad guys or that have a little bit of um i don't want to yeah i don't want to get too much into uh anything that could be spoilers but um it, yeah he he was really impressive fittingly enough for this film his dialogue was just lyrical yeah like, all the way through it just flowed amazingly uh like part of a song yeah and um and they I capitalized loved, on that mm. i loved his relationship with baby I think that was a big strength of this film. Um, Kevin Spacey, I mean, when is, I mean, other than um, that cat movie, I mean, when does he really not deliver? Uh, So I'm glad, I'm glad everything went smoothly with this one. Um, John Hamm. Very against type in this, I thought. For for John Hamm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, well, you know what? Let's not get into any spoilers, but. No, no, yeah. His his character. No, just him playing of, like a sleazy bad guy. So yeah. Of thing. That's, he, you know, he's normally a big El Suavo Superman guy. Yeah. It reminded me of, there's this little um, uh, British production that he did with Daniel Radcliffe uh, called um, A Doctor's Notebook. Mm. It reminded me very much of that. Um, he, he plays like this uh, um, drug addicted doctor um, that, that kind of, sorry, interplays with Daniel Radcliffe. Um, so, yeah, it very much reminded me of that kind of like sleazy side of him. But yeah, I, I, liked, I, thought, I liked where his character went as well. Yeah. Um, it was it was interesting for John Hamm. And I, I think it kind of subverted, yeah. um, as you said, the preconceived idea of having John Hamm in a film. Um, it kind of subverted that. Yeah. Jamie Foxx. Jamie yeah, Foxx, man. I've got to say, I was so freaking impressed with this guy. Um, I, I continuously see J- Jamie Foxx in films and... Eh. Eh. Look, I've I've never I've never seen him as uh, again. He's never the guy that lets down a film, except for in Spider Man, Amazing oh, well, Spider Man, yeah, everything. Yeah. Electro. Yeah, that yeah, film was like, <laughs> there was but so he was, much in that. He film was that... so good in this. He was so good. I think my favorite performance of his yet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I love him as Django, of course, but I yeah. think this was yeah something else. Um, I mean. I, we could basically go through the entire cast and and you know say how good the love interest was. Lily James. Yeah, she was um, great. Um, she's really very fantastic. Very like endearing character. I really like the love story between them. Um, it goes in some interesting directions. Um, I I liked how they avoided. I I felt like when when they started. Um, ben, you'll have to help me here. That what's the it, what is it called? Like pixie. Pixie Manic, character, pixie Manic, yeah, yeah. I there was a moment where I was worried that that's kind of where this character was going to go. Um, she but comes they in singing and yeah, yeah, with they, the headphones and stuff. Yeah, they brought it back real quick, um, and uh, thankfully it was a really well developed character, um, not just a um, you know, as you said, a manic dream pixie girl, whatever the fuck. Yeah, it's called. certainly not 
overdeveloped though. This was a really simple kind of classic love story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, he comes in as kind of James Deany kind of style. So. Yeah. And it, yeah, just something, just even setting it in a diner for part is just so perfect. Yeah. Classic Americana. You yeah. Know? Like not much needs to be said about that. Um, is there anything else? We, I feel like we're kind of like walking on thin ice going without, yeah, yeah. Uh, with, uh, without spoilers. Is there anything else that you guys want to mention before we get into that? Um, you know, some final thoughts, something that we haven't touched on. I mean, I just love the heist scenes in this. I mean, that's a big component of this film is mm. them performing the heists. And I was ex- this feeling of exhilaration. Um, I was so invested. I, I felt tense. I was on the edge of my seat. Um, I, I just think it was just so well put together. And what Edgar Wright was trying to achieve, I think he checked all the boxes. I really don't have anything bad to say about this film. Oh, no. um, I mean, if we're really pulling at straws, like you could maybe say there's a little bit of a minor, like just a bit where it lags for about five minutes in the middle. But I, I think, I don't think that's true. I think I'm just pulling it. <laughs> um, Shut up. Whoever said that. Yeah. So, <laughs> I, 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 11 out of 10 for me. Yeah. Look, ultimately, I, I really love, um, love the direction that this film goes in. Um, I think that it, it subverts a lot of, of the kind of typical tropes of heist films, um, which makes it very interesting. Um, they're not subverting it just for the sake of it. Um, it really does add to the story. Uh, yeah. I don't, I, again, I don't want to get into too much, uh, before we, uh, without spoilers, but, um, yeah, an absolutely fantastic film. Completely agree. I don't want to overstate how great this film is. It's it's not going to change your life, I think. It's just a, a perfect little, um, amazingly put together technical achievement, a great little story, amazing performances. Yeah. Um, and the soundtrack and the editing is all just like next level. It's like, masterful, isn't it? Yeah, Edgar Wright and his A-game. This guy is going to do some amazing things before he's done, I think. <laughs> Um, I, this is, it, yeah, it just felt like the perfect length. It never gave you too much. It was not bloated in any way. Yeah. It was just such a tight little amazing movie. Yeah. Before we move on to spoilers, I did actually want to ask you guys one thing. Um, some of the criticism that has been, uh, levied against this film is that it is too quirky. Did you feel that at all? Nope. Or do you think that that's absurd? Maybe not absurd, but just. Absurd, I say. <laughs> I don't think it's that quirky. Like maybe it's not an atypical film, but in terms of like quirkiness, I don't think it's that quirky. It's not Scott Pilgrim quirky. No, not at <laughs> all. I mean, it's it's different. Um, it's different flavors. But as you said, Benny, it's not it's not going to change your life as in show you something completely new. Yeah. It's just kind of refining and taking a few different elements, like a car, a James Dean thing, a, um, a, a, mu- a musical element, um, Edgar Wright's editing, combining it all and just making it a sweet little package. Yeah. Mm. Sweet little package. <laughs> Edgar Wright's sweet <laughs> little <laughs> package. Let's move on to spoilers. If you haven't seen the film yet, pause, get out of go here. see it. What are you it, doing? Silly bunny. Don't listen to us idiots anymore. Um, it's not actually, in Australia, so you're going to be pausing for a while. <laughs> you idiots getting your time machine. <laughs> idiots. Um, and moving on to spoilers. One of the things I wanted to talk about straight off the bat, was, I thought it was so clever, done by Edgar Wright, was um, the heist planning scene. If you have seen a heist film, you pretty much know how the scene is going to go. There's a couple ways that you can 
can do that that scene, which is you you either plan the heist and then cut to the heist actually happening, or you do a planning session and then the heist happens. Like those are your two options. Oh well, you do what Guy Ritchie did, which is like planning this the um, in in King Arthur, like planning and you seeing the execution simultaneously. That's what I said the first. Oh, time. Oh, did you? Okay, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's, just, no, that's fine. That's the words that come out of your mouth just sound like <laughs> gang, um, gang, gang, gang. this this. Uh, uh, completely and this is kind of what i mean by when he subverts a lot of the tropes of heist films he just he he didn't show any of the heist like the heist planning was all blocked out it was just a close-up on on ansel uh ansel's face and you know you hearing i guess distant rumblings yeah but which then, i thought was very yeah very I think cool. so i think so but then like jamie fox's um character is so suspect on the fact that this kid is not paying attention he's got his earbuds in like what he's the fuck is this kid doing he's not comfortable with the violence uh, which yeah puts these criminals on edge yeah and uh then you know at the end um baby you know <laughs> what's got what's this what's the uh, what are we doing and he rattles off the plan verbatim and it was awesome and it was yeah. a really good way i completely agree with you completely subverted the conventional heist yeah. planning scene and i think he used it to um maybe not explain but to show other aspects that he felt were more important to the film so as you mentioned you know showing jamie fox's character just just staring at him is a really good way to use that time to develop character without you know making it too obvious um, the the whole him repeating things verbatim was a really clever way of showing that you know obviously he's got some kind of you know he can lip read and and yeah. there's, there's you know there's just a little introduction to other things other than what I would call like the the um, a team heist section. It's such an efficient storytelling method in film. Mm. I think we get bashed over the head with exposition and people saying this is what kind of character I am mm. instead of in that scene nobody's saying anything but um or doing it like explaining themselves but you understand the characters you understand the relationship between them you understand that jamie fox got a problem uh it, it was very very economical storytelling the dynamics are all really clear even for characters who are there for one scene like john bernthal um who i really liked in his very brief appearance. he was intense wasn't he yeah 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 uh, that's the second movie i've seen recently where he's had one scene and been really good yeah what was the other um uh, Wind River, which is in my top five. Um, but the, the, you mentioned the um, the heist scene where it's just kind of focused in on him in the car. It doesn't show the heist at all. Um, uh, I, well, I was talking about the heist planning, but you you are right about that as well. Which one was that? Was that the first one or the the second one? The first one. You see a couple yeah. really where yeah. it's just him in the car. The yeah. first one, which um, yeah, 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 that was so good. But it really surprised me because I didn't realize that is inspired from an old Edgar Wright directed music video. From the early 2000s, I believe, With by Noel- Mint Royale, Noel Fielding, yes. Julian Barrett, Nick Frost. Um, this amazing oh, little music video. Oh, cool. Um, the Mighty Shaboosh crew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I had not um, seen in many years. And I think I knew Edgar Wright directed that at some point, but I had completely forgotten. I'm like, I know this. That first scene where he's just dancing in the car as this heist is going on off screen. Um, so that was really cool That's to so see cool. him draw on his own. This I must go movie, watch that. Yeah, this movie feels just like inspired by that yeah. video. Well, I, I read an article, and I'm not sure whether they, they were just kind of... Um, connecting dots or something but they said that this movie was inspired by that mm. um and uh i think that the oh god i'm trying to remember the article it said something about the reason that they didn't want to cast Noel fielding because it was just a bit too weird for the role yeah 
Um, but it's funny how like a director, he's probably had that rattling in, like in the back of his mind for 15 years mm, and yeah. uh, finally like getting to execute. Maybe that's how Ant-Man was going to be. Yeah. The heist movie. It was just going to oh be Ant-Man in the car. God, no, yes. it was going to be Michael Peña wow. in the car. Yes. <laughs> wow. The whole, the whole heist would be off. I hadn't yeah. even thought about that. I wonder if he'd really integrated some of his ideas for Ant-Man into this. Yeah. With the heist sure aspect. I'm sure we're going to be seeing Ant-Man stuff for years. Yeah. He's going to make I, a movie about some random shrinking I, guy. I love hearing about films that kind of are are not based around just kind of one scene or one idea. Yeah. Um, the one that comes to mind is um, Joss Whedon's Firefly or Serenity, the film, um, was very much based around one scene where uh, River, um, behind her, the wall gets pulled out and it's just her standing there in all her badassery with, you know, some weapons. Um, and uh, Joss Whedon was talking about like, that's he kind of had that in his mind when he was crafting this entire film. And that was a jumping off point. Yeah, it's yeah, really cool. cool to understand like the genesis of these yeah, types of yeah, films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, I mean, I think another cool part of this film was John Hamm. I think in the first half of this film, he was very much like the nice guy of the crew. Mm. And then towards the end, he really... He was a bad guy. He's an intimidating. The, he dude. turned into the yeah, bad guy. The you realize how big dynamic. John Hamm is. Yeah. yeah, the character dynamics in this were were so expertly done. I mean, you know, as you said, John Hamm starting out as this nice, kind man who, through very subtle acting, turns into a very sleazy, very dangerous man. Yeah, yeah. Um, is is really spectacular the and same hard thing. to take out. He took. Like, oh yeah. <laughs> jeez. Um, I mean, and, uh, you know, Jamie Foxx, again, starts out as this really menacing, ends up, you know, dead. Uh, fucking uh, Kevin Spacey. Yeah, who, and he becomes the father figure in yeah, a lot and, of ways. And, you know, very strange and weird, like not in strange in a bad way, but just this kind of, like, just kind of out of left field, you always sensed that there was this disingenuine interest in Baby Driver. You know, you, you just kind of got this idea that he was interested in him just for his, yeah. his driving ability. And then out of nowhere, you get this sense that he actually does have, yeah. I guess, ultimately a soul. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. just like pulls out of nowhere with this self-sacrificing uh, moment. It's just all you need really when he sees, you know, Baby and and his lady friend and it's like, oh, I used to be in love. Yeah, like, ah, like, shit. Yeah, really humanizes him there. Yeah. I, I love that about this film. I loved how you got a bit of a 3D look into um, the gangster world. And these they're just kind of normal people that have gone down a path. I mean, it wasn't a big <laughs> well, part I don't, of this. I don't think this it, is wasn't like a an- big, it wasn't a big component of the film, but I, I just liked that 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 complexity, the gray area, the um, it, well, they weren't like the bad guys. You know, they, they had complexity. They had other elements to them. And I think that was what was so appealing about this film. It, yeah, it was it was certainly refreshing to see um, uh, well developed characters in the sense that you, while you're right, Ben, they are it's still very relatively simple, but um, at the same time, well developed. I don't know if that even makes sense. Um, it's fine, doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing makes sense. It's a cruel world. Um, the one thing that I I, I really enjoyed is is um, Baby Driver's backstory in the in it's baby. Yeah, sorry, it's not his actual <laughs> <Maybe>. name. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Driver. Uh, Mr. Driver. What are the odds? Um, no, his uh, his whole relationship with his foster father. Mm. What a way to humanize a character. Yeah. Just, I mean, it, it almost seems too on the nose, be like, I'm taking care of my ailing um, older relative or something, but it just, it's it's simple but effective. Yeah. Any um, um Any soundtrack highlights for you guys? Man, there's just so many. Like, it's kind of a bit of a blur. Mm, I um, think there's 30 songs on the official soundtrack, which wow. is huge. 
I mean, that's the thing. It was rapid fire. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't, they weren't, the songs kept coming. I, yeah, I had like a, just a literal punch the air moment when um, it was in one of the later action scenes uh, when Hocus Pocus by Focus came on, which is one of my absolute favorite, no one's ever heard of like 70s rock songs. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. one of the yodeling, maybe. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah i fucking love that song and that was like five minutes of the movie i was just like yeah (laughs) so good there was a lot of this film that i found myself just like grinning and almost dancing in Mm. the theater i mean it happens so rare that i i find myself kind of with a physical response to a film um I think one of the <laughs> just head bobbing, head bobbing, or just literally leaning, you know, leaning into my seat, like just looking at the, like I need more. Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember doing that with I think it was Senna, um, which is a weird movie to bring up in in this context, but it was another one that just really kind of elicited a physical reaction for me. Like I needed to get closer to that. I think I was leaning with the cars mm. going left and right. <laughs> I was like <laughs> four wheeled vehicles, mate. Um, but yeah, this oh. I think the the one that really stuck with me was the one when he was in the car singing. I can never remember names of uh, of songs mm. or actors or movies. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really concerned about my memory. <laughs> um, but yeah, that that was a really good moment. It's a hard film to really... I, I feel like we're kind of coming to the end here of wrapping things up. And there's a lot to talk about with this film, but... I feel like it's a very experiential film. Absolutely. And you really just have to go and see it to get it because... Yeah, so you, about you, the editing and the music and the vibe. Yeah, if you sit here and talk about the plot or the characters, there's only so far you're going to get. Exactly. But uh, yeah, this is one you have to sit yeah. sit down in front of. And I think I think part of it is, that, and and I've been kind of caught between this dichotomy the entire time is that there's a simplicity to Edgar Wright's um, filmmaking that inspires complexity, and that's very difficult to talk about, and that's very different to explain without someone just you know. Without someone that's seen it and goes like, "Oh yeah, I know what you're talking about." I yeah. can't explain it, but I get you. Yeah, I mean, let's just finish things up with the ending, and then also there's been reports this week that Sony are looking to um, do uh, Baby Driver two. Shut up, yeah, Sony. I saw that. Um, <laughs> so, like, what do you think? I mean, this was an interesting ending. I really didn't know how this film was going to wrap up. Mm. Uh, I think that was such an intriguing part yeah, of it. Yeah, um, I didn't know like. Was he going to die? Was he going to go to prison? Was he going to get, was he going to hit the open What's road? The thing with, with Edgar Wright, you never know. I mean, people yeah. die. Sometimes the world ends. Yeah. I, I loved how they did this uh, character reference thing and you're like, oh yeah, he's a really nice guy. And then the reality of the justice system just comes bearing down and be like, I, I don't give a shit. Years, mm-hmm. yeah. You're going to prison. So what do you guys think about the prospects of a second film? Is, is, is that warranted? Do you want to see the next iterate, uh, the next um, chapter in Babies? Um, I kind of don't. No, hell no. Um, if Edgar Wright doesn't do it, there's no point. And I don't want Edgar Wright to do it. He should, keep, keep, he should just keep doing different things. Yeah. yeah. Um, it doesn't have Kevin Spacey in it anymore. It doesn't like... <laughs> the whole cast is gone. So. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I just... I, I feel like... Uh, there's, there's, uh, I'm always, I'm always hesitant with sequels. I just think that there's inherent issues with trying to, um, continue on a a story like this that you haven't really planned out an arc for. Baby driver to John Bernthal's revenge. Yeah. Um, (laughs) the Punisher versus baby driver. (laughs) Um, is it possible to, to do it and and for it to be good? Yes. Um, but I think it would be such a hit and miss thing and I don't want Edgar Wright to, to risk that. 
Yeah, I, I feel like it would be a tremendous task to try and beat this one. Um, so it would always just be a secondary version. Just or let, let, a, let a movie be good. Yeah, that's it. Let, let it a be. movie be good. <laughs> Sony. Sony. Can we, can we also talk about like... This was this was Sony, wasn't it? Yeah. Sony, uh, in in the space of two weeks, at least that we've seen it, have come out with yeah. two fucking hectic movies. So we're going to shut the fuck up on Sony. Not. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not going to give them any credit for I, Spider-Man. I've just been imagining. I'm not going to give them any credit for this. Yeah. yeah. They, all they did is funded Edgar Wright's genius. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, like that's what, that's what a studio does. Yeah. And a good studio allows the creative people to be creative and do what they need yeah. to do. So. Yeah. Yeah, I've just been imagining the last week Ben having this massive internal struggle with his hate of Sony and also his love of these two films. No, no struggle at all. I, <laughs> okay, I, fine. I think they were barely it involved. Pretty, it looks pretty happy. <laughs> like, I, I'd never even thought to give them credit for these movies. <laughs> but I, again, like that's why I say it's it's a good good studio allows that creative process to happen. Any studio that didn't just let Edgar Wright do whatever the hell he wanted, sorry Marvel, is just stupid. Yeah, you know what? Well, yeah. I'm glad that he's left because we've got an awesome Ant-Man. We've got an awesome baby driver. Oh, yeah. Two for one, mm. as far as I'm concerned. Yep. Well, I think that's it. Hit up baby driver. We all loved it. Um, we'll be back uh, with our Okja review later in the week. And we'll be back with our weekly movie show, The Weekly Movie <laughs> Show. Um, yeah. Yeah. This is fun. Hey, um, yeah, it's good we should do it again. Next week. Yeah. We should do this next week. Thanks for having us, George. No problem, guys. <laughs> and enjoy camping. Thanks for the invite. Um, <laughs> uh, you had a choice. You could either come camping or you could have wedding photos with your fiance. You yeah. chose wrong. Well, Poor yeah. fool. Yeah. Anyway, guys, it's been a pleasure. Condor. Hello. Benny's. See ya. See ya. 